0: What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, lead draft writer of BR. Joining me every Wednesday is my man, Connor Rogers, also from BR. Connor, we are 10 days away, I think. I'm not great at the math right now. My brain's dead. I think we're 10 days away. It's not close enough, whatever it is at this point, right? I saw your uh, Instagram where it was like me somewhere right after the draft, and you're like curled up in swim trunks on a swan, like an inflatable swan. And I'm, I was just telling you, I'm so burnt out right now. It's just like, it's the end is in sight and I just want it. Like I want Thursday to be here already. So we are, I guess, a week and a day when once this podcast comes out away from the draft, I'll be flying up Tuesday morning, way too early. And we'll be there for about a week. We'll be doing a ton of content next week, but we have a really good show today. We're going to dive into a lot of the rumors that are floating around right now. We'll give you a scouts quote, things that we're hearing. We'll talk about some of the news, and we'll answer your draft on draft. We also have a kick-ass guest, Charlie Uke, the senior coordinating producer for NFL Network, the guy who basically runs the draft. We had him on almost a year ago. Now he's back. We're going to talk about their big plans. But, dude, you you built a hell of a rundown, and I'm just going to let you jump in on a topic that I know you're fired up about.
1: Yeah, I went a little ham yesterday when I was like, listen, there's a lot (laughs) of garbage rumors out here. There's some good ones. Uh, A lot of garbage ones, though, no doubt about that. We got some good scout stuff, and and Charlie is another uh, returning guest. He was awesome, so I want to hear what they got planned for the draft. But I'll tell you what's really bothered me right now, Matt, is that out of all people in the world, Ryan Leaf comes out this week and said that he's worried Baker Mayfield is just like him. And you know why that bothers me is that, number one, you know what you're doing. You come out and say something like that, it's going to be picked up everywhere. Where I saw it, since I'm in New York City, I saw it in the New York Post. But if you Google Ryan Leaf, Baker Mayfield, it's literally everywhere. Whether it's NBC Sports, SB Nation, you know, pro football talk, he sees bust potential in Baker Mayfield. That's a bullshit move because here's why Baker Mayfield is not Ryan Leaf, okay? Baker Mayfield has no you know, substance abuse problem that we know of. Baker Mayfield is not blowing off interviews. I I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty positive that it was reported and known that Ryan Leaf missed his interview with the Colts. And that was a red flag for the Colts saying, okay, we'll take Peyton Manning. And Ryan Leaf was a guy that was too good to go to his final rookie synopsis. So, Ryan Leaf was a guy that was too good for everything. Meanwhile, Baker Mayfield, who had a family emergency during the week of the Senior Bowl, still made it to the Senior Bowl because, as he told our intern Kennedy, he says, I need to prove that I'm not Johnny Manziel. So, after all of the nonsense that Baker Mayfield has been compared to Johnny Manziel, which he is nothing like, he's not the same player on the field, he's not the same person off the field. Out of all the people to resurface, Ryan Leaf, who has a long, long list of problems, says that he's worried that Baker Mayfield is just like him. That's bullshit. He is nothing like you, and the fact that this had to create a headline 10 days before the draft is a low blow, an absolute garbage move, and you know what? Baker Mayfield's going to prove a lot of people wrong, but he didn't need this at the last thing to pile on. We had to sneak this one in here halfway through April. I love it. I love it, man. And it's weird
0: because I think you and I have all season done a a really good job of crediting Baker for it. No one has improved their draft stock more from August to April than Baker Mayfield. And he deserves a ton of credit for that, for saying, you know what? I was one of the best players in college football as a junior. I'm going to get better. I'm going to play better from the pocket. I'm going to work on my downfield accuracy. I'm going to work on throwing harder on underneath routes playing smarter football. He did all those things and went from a day three pick to a top three pick. It, it, that and, and it's not fake. It's not manufactured. It's not, oh, it's just trait-based. The dude went out and was fucking great. He won the Heisman Trophy. He was unstoppable. And instead of saying, what a success story. A kid who had to walk on it. Two colleges. No one wanted this kid coming out of high school. We can't just praise him for being tough as hell and having a great work ethic to prove himself over and over again. Instead, we got to tear him down and say, he's Johnny Manziel. He's Ryan Leaf. Fuck that. Yeah, quarterbacks bust. There are going to be four quarterbacks, maybe five, maybe six drafted in the first round. Half of them are probably going to bust. That's just how it works. But I haven't seen anything with Baker Mayfield to say, no, 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 that personality, he's going to bust. Did he get in trouble once? Yes. Thank God that there wasn't YouTube and Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram when I was twenty-one years old, because I wouldn't have this job right now. There's no way. And exactly. Yeah. And he's fiery. Okay. So is Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady will motherfuck his coach on the sidelines, and no one cares. I, I don't get it, man. I'm I'm going like full. I've gone full turn this year of you know, oh, well, let's see what Baker is to now. I'm like that. If he's not a top five pick, someone's going to pay for it because he is absolutely deserving of being drafted early.
1: Well, and I understand that Ryan Leaf clarified. Hey, uh, you know, I think he could be like me and it worries me because he's overconfident and, and all that. <laughs> but you knew what you were saying and you it's too dangerous to do that because of the stir it created. So I'm tired of the Baker Mayfields trashing that is just flat out ignorant it's just irresponsible is what it is from and people in the media are guilty of it too i will not name names but there are people in the media guilty of it too and this also leads to a, a really great article you led the week off with about josh rosen it's it's the same thing where it's it he's trashed so often and teams want to know oh is he jay cutler is he aaron Rodgers? there's this fear of just saying okay he's he's josh rosen and i thought. I wanted to really ask you, you know, what went on with the research behind that piece and just things that you learned and really what conclusion you drew from almost a month of research writing that piece about Josh Rosen, the person, not the football player. Yeah, you're right.
0: I mean, this idea came about before the combine. And so when I went to Indianapolis, that was one of the things that like when you go there as a, a reporter, you probably have a couple of stories that you're working on. And I had another one, the, the story that came out Tuesday morning about Calvin Ridley. Those were the two things that I was really trying to ask anyone I came in contact with was, hey, I'm going to be doing this feature about Josh Rosen. And at the time, I, I was framing it as, hey, does Josh Rosen really love football? And it changed. And, and hopefully people read the article and it, it became like a why are we – asking these questions of a guy who's never been in trouble and played behind awful offensive lines and really got better in games. The more he got hit, the feedback I got from teams was you're asking the wrong question, man. It's not, does he love football? It's how is he going to fit into a locker room? Because he is a a little cocky and a little arrogant. And, you know, one of the quotes that I put in there was from a scout who was like, is he a douchebag? Probably, but so is Aaron Rodgers. And as long as you win, that's all that matters. And it, it doesn't, It doesn't matter if he's a liberal Democrat. It doesn't matter if he's Jewish. It doesn't matter if he's wealthy. It doesn't matter if he's skinny. If he wins, no one in that locker room is going to care because he'll have the respect of the other 52 men. He'll have the respect of the coaches because that is the only thing these teams care about is, are you going to win us ballgames? And the players want to win Super Bowls. The more they win, the better they get paid. And that's all that matters. So I think with Rosen, like my biggest takeaway was, You know, it was it was good for me to go through that process of researching it and writing it and and having to come to my own conclusions of how much do these rumors bother me? And what still bothers me the most about Rosen, the thing that scares me, it's not the fuck Trump hat. It's not the hot tub. It's not blasting UCLA because they took an Under Armour deal. It's the injuries. That's it. And I I think that's a lot of people said that back to me was I think one of the quotes was. People are missing the force for the trees. They're missing the fact that he's been hurt every year, and they're so caught up on the
1: other stuff that really doesn't matter that much. Yeah, uh, well said. It's just this is such a fascinating quarterback class for for so many different reasons, for so many different levels throughout the evaluation process. And, and one more guy that we do have to talk about, you know, briefly is. Sounds like Lamar Jackson met with the Bengals, which is very interesting. Um, The Bengals were clearly comfortable moving back from 12 to 21 for exchange of a guy they believe can be a franchise tackle still in Cordy Glenn. Lamar Jackson, I believe, counts as a local visit for them. So it doesn't hurt their list of 30. Do you think the Bengals are truly in the market for an Andy, a future Andy Dalton replacement? Or do you think this is them just doing due diligence with a player that makes their local list?
0: I, I think my my first take was, oh, it's just a local list, so it doesn't count against your 30. He's an intriguing guy. You know, he hasn't, it hasn't been really easy getting a hold of him for some teams, so let's just bring him in and check him out and see what he's all about. But they do need a backup quarterback. I mean, they lost A.J. McCarron in free agency a year earlier than they thought they were because of the grievance and him allowing to get out of that contract. So, I mean, they, they have Matt Barkley and Jeff Driscoll. So I think that you have to consider the fact that would they try to find a backup quarterback? Probably. And it's smart for these teams to bring Lamar in. It doesn't mean they're going to draft him in the first round, but what if he fell? What if he fell to the second round and he's sitting there for Cincinnati and you're looking at a guy and you haven't brought him in, you haven't talked to him. It's so important to bring the quarterbacks in, especially to have talked to them, to know who they are as person, as people so that you can make that decision. If he happens to be there around too, which I don't think would happen, but you have to do, you have to do your homework on that at least. So, Um, I I continue to say he's going to go in the first
1: round. Lamar Jackson is, but it's smart of these teams to at least check him out. Two linebackers. We got on the rundown Roquan Smith, Leighton Vander Esch uh, on here for very different reasons. Let's start with Roquan Smith. I see you have written in under eight Roquan at your own risk. I don't know exactly what that alludes to, but I know I love it because Roquan Smith, I think, is the fifth overall player on my board, and I absolutely love him.
0: So I wanted to, to bring this up because my our NFL Draft 400 list came out, and I have Tremaine Edmonds slightly ahead of him. And people are like, why do you hate Roquan Smith? Why do you yeah. hate Roquan Smith? Yep. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 no, I don't. I, I, he's a top 10 player. If he is a 49er in a week and a day, I'm going to be really happy. Roquan's the man. He was, I think he was the best defensive player in college football last year. I just like Tremaine Edmonds because he's bigger and a little more versatile, but he's really, really good. And, and so I've seen now people um, who will say, yeah, yeah, but you know, watch the first half against Oklahoma. He disappeared. Well, watch the second half against Oklahoma and and look at why they won the game. It was because of their ability to shut down the Oklahoma run game. And, and you can even watch him against Alabama. He flows to the ball so, so well. And I, I saw you a mellow tweeting about it last night where um, I think Lewis Riddick kind of started it off and you guys jumped in on it, but you know, whether it's Luke Keeley or Derek Johnson or Patrick Willis, these smaller line, but that's the way that the, the NFL is going. And I think Roquan is a perfect fit for that. And he's not as small as people assume. I mean, he was like 235 pounds. He's six one. He's not, it's not a tiny guy. It's not like he's 220 running around out there. So, I, I, it's been weird that as we get closer to the process, I think there's a lot of overthinking that happens. When we should all be able to safely say, like, okay, Roquan Smith's just one of the best players in the class.
1: Into story, like, let's move on with it. Yeah, it's kind of insane. It, it also it's interesting with Roquan Smith. Everybody's like, well, he can't shed blocks. I'm like, well, you can't block a guy you can't get to. He right. beats everybody to the ball anyway. And don't ask him to be David Harris filling downhill, thumping down in the middle to fill the hole you play him next to a thumper and just let him run free. And the guy is a menace. So yeah, I love Roquan Smith. The other linebacker. I do want to talk about Leighton Vander Esch. Very interesting. Rumor came out early in the week. Uh Sounds like it's absolute nonsense that his medicals did not come back clean for some teams due to a previous next stinger. what do you got on this, Matt, man? I don't even want to credit the people who put this out there because this is what they do. They just throw yeah, shit against garbage the wall nonsense
0: and, and hope it's right. So uh, when the report came out, everyone knows. I mean, Leighton Van Esch has been on the podcast. We have a, a pretty good relationship with him. So I I wanted to be able to give him credible information, you know, because the kid's about to get drafted, and you, this report comes out, and it's probably terrifying. So his agents are scrambling to get information. He's probably freaking out. So I start calling teams. That, that's what I do. And I couldn't find one team that said they failed him. And that's not information they would lie about because it doesn't benefit anyone to say, no, 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 we didn't fail him. He's good. No, they would more likely say, yeah, yeah, we failed him. He's going to fall. Uh, and they would hope that that would push him down the board. So I couldn't find, and I'm not plugged into 32 front offices, but I made a lot of calls yesterday, and I couldn't find one team that said,
1: yeah, man, he's the neck injury is pretty scary. He's off for us. And, and there's now multiple people coming out and saying that it's just not. I believe Ian Rappaport said that um, he got a four on his medicals out of five. I'm not entirely familiar with the combine medical system. I, when I talk to teams, I usually just say, is it is it good or is it bad? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really Ford how a is lot of great
0: teams. for a yeah. linebacker, especially these guys right? are usually their shoulders are fucked up. You know, they're yeah. You, I mean, there's going to be some next stuff. And I, I think it's fair to say that with with Vander Esch. Yeah, he was hurt a lot early in his career, but it's not a situation where it's like Josh sweats knee where you're just like, oh, shit, like this kid's really athletic and he has a lot of potential. But who knows how long that knee's going to hold up, you know, or like. Miles Jack and, and Jalen Smith, guys like that. I, I've, I don't have any feeling that it's going to be
1: a situation like that for Van Der Esch. Yeah, that's really it's a shame to see, too. You never want to because then some teams see those reports and they start scrambling. They, like, did we make a mistake? They might call contacts in the NFL that they know and have a good relationship with. So you never like to see that done to someone, especially when it's dead on wrong. And this close has too, where there's that's not what I mean. a lot like of that, time, you know? That's why the the once again, the Ryan Leaf thing bothered me so much because, like, we went through this in January and February, all right? We've been through it all. I know there was certain reporters that tried to do it, and Baker is very self aware that it's a thing. So you just don't like to see it um, like done like that. It's just, po- it's really, really in poor taste. Scouts quotes. One thing I have heard consistently a lot is that Mike McGlinchey is now the late riser, the biggest riser. And now in draft terms, actually, this is funny. An NFL person once said this to me. He goes, you know, there's no such thing as a late riser. He goes, it's just that you guys catch on late in the media. So maybe Mike McGlinchey has always been this top 20 lock. And we kind of thought he could go in the early second. It sounds like Mike McGlinchey has the chance to find his way into the top 10 to 12 picks of this draft now from what I've heard. I I, I don't know about
0: top 10, but he's going to, I think he'll go top 20 and he should be the first tackle off the board. And probably the second offensive lineman because Quentin Nelson's going to go first. I, it it's, we say this every week. It's, it all comes back to center. It all comes back to where we thought guys were. When you strip every away year. a lot of the bullshit, it, it comes back to, oh, okay. Like, yeah, no, this guy was actually really good for three years at Notre Dame. He should be a top 20 pick and he's pro ready. That's so important at tackle because we saw teams draft projections, you know, like Luke Jokel and to some degree, Eric Fisher and Eric flowers. And they they haven't worked out. Uh, Eric Fisher's okay. Mike McGlinchey is like Jack Conklin or Taylor Lawan. There's no guessing game. You know exactly who this dude is and he can step right into play. So that's a great call. I I do think that he's going to go pretty early. And I mean, we were talking about Cincinnati. If he were the pick for Cincinnati, I wouldn't be shocked because they've kind of swung and missed. And I know they got Cordy Glenn, but Cordy Glenn and Mike McGlinchey, and then maybe move Fisher and a boy. He inside starts to look pretty good. And my scouts quote kind of talked about it earlier. Baker Mayfield is a top five lock. And I don't know if they're betting odds out yet about where Baker will be drafted. If there are someone, please tweet them to me because I want to put like a two week paycheck on if Baker Mayfield is going to go top five or not, because I'm, I'm convinced he's going to go top five. Everyone I talked to has been raving about how well his visits are going. So if it's not to the jets at three, and if somebody doesn't trade up to four, it might just be Denver at five. All right.
1: So it's time to get to some rumors that are floating around. It sounds like some might be from Reddit. Some might be from the NFL you never truly know. So <laughs> cash or trash rumor. Shout out to Steven Nelson. I know him and Felder used to do that all the time. Cash or trash takes. We got some cash or trash rumors. Miller, the Patriots are looking for a quarterback. Is that a cash rumor or is that a trash rumor?
0: Man, that's straight cash, homie. As Randy Moss would Ooh. say. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that would straight cash. They are looking for a quarterback. I don't know for sure if it's going to happen in the first round. But it's going to happen in the first two rounds. So if it's not, if it's not uh, one of those guys like Mason Rudolph or Lamar Jackson, then it's it could be Luke Falk or Kyle Aletta. But I, I feel very comfortable saying that they're going to take a quarterback on the first two
1: days. Oh man, hopefully Tom Brady speaks to them this time. Uh, and they don't and they don't trade this guy away to your, your favorite I hope team. That, yeah, for, it worked for me. I'm pretty happy pick. about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. This one we touched on a little earlier, and I think I know the answer now. But Mike McGlinchey will be the first offensive tackle taken. Yeah, man. I think it's Cash. How about you? I completely think it's Cash. I would have said Connor Williams about two months ago, and then this started to heat up. I am a firm believer, Isaiah Win can play tackle. Although some teams will really like him at guard. I am very convinced. I'm almost positive that Mike McGlinchey is going to be the first offensive tackle taken. Yeah. Like we said before, I definitely
0: think there's a lot to this one. To that straight cash. Okay. I got one for you. I got asked this on Twitter. So this must be a betting odd. over under five and a (laughs) half quarterbacks in round one. Those boys of Vegas know what they're doing.
1: Oh, that's so good. I'm going to say put the cash on the over. Ooh. I'm I think that's that's a roll of the dice. I think it's stupid. I think Mason Rudolph sneaks in <laughs> as the sixth one. We know Baker, Darnold, Allen, Rosen, Jackson. Those guys are all going round one. I think someone's gonna do something stupid and take Mason Rudolph round one. But I'll tell you what, I this is not one of my favorite bets on the list that we saw. I no. I think this one's very risky. <laughs> I, if I were going to put my money on it, I would
0: probably take the under just because I, I mean, I, I know like Melo loves Mesa Rudolph. We've talked a lot about the, the potential of him going, whether it's to New Orleans, new England, someone late first, uh, I, I, I'm going to go under on it, I think, but I, I right. put
1: money on it. Another really tough one. Quentin Nelson goes before the seventh overall selection. I would not.
0: I, I, say that's a trash rumor. Trash. I, I think he goes <laughs> seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. Okay. That's, I'm also you go to, I think, <laughs> you know, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he could go two or four or six, but I think, I think he goes seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there.
1: Now this might be the toughest one. Derwin James goes before Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh, cash or trash
0: cash. I don't think this is, I don't think this is a, like a bad rumor at all. Ooh. I think there's some talk, there's some legit talk here. Derwin James is just, uh, they're both great athletes, right? And they're both great leaders. I think there's just some concern about where do you play Minka? And it will be, it'll come down to scheme specific, but I i, I think the closer we get the chance that Derwin goes first, it just goes up because like when I talk to defensive coordinators and, and coaches, they're always like, yeah, we know exactly how to use this guy. And it's okay. Well, once Mika and they're like, well, He's probably slot corner. You're going to draft a slot corner in the top 10. So he's a great player. I, and you, everyone listening knows how much we love him. But I, I do think there's a chance he, he might end up in that 10 to 15 range as opposed to, you know, there was a time when people were talking about, you know, maybe he would be a top four
1: pick. Yeah, four to Cleveland was very popular. I know it was even popular with us, but we were always on the side saying he's a safety that could play slot corner. And a lot of people were like, oh, he's the best cornerback in this class. And I'm like, what? No, he's not. He's not playing outside corner. He's not. He's no Denzel Ward, Mike Hughes, uh, Josh Jackson. So it'll be interesting. I love Derwin James. I I think both are going to be really fine players, though. All right. Last one. I'm actually going to sneak in a bonus one here after this. So I lied. But last one on the rundown (laughs) here. The Bills will trade six picks from their 2018 draft. For the Giants' number two overall pick, holy shit! I'll say trash. That's that's so okay. much. I, that's a the, lot. <laughs> here's the thing: I don't,
0: I don't think the Giants really want to trade. And I, I could be completely misreading this, but I, I have had this conversation with several people that they think that, that, like, the Giants don't think they're that far away, especially with some of that's the moves they've made. So insane. Just. Like the defense, it was so good in 2016, and then you know everything fell apart last year. And I think having a new coaching staff come in, they really think that like this team could rebound quickly. So, if I had to write a a mock draft right now, I would say Saquon Barkley. And I, I think they just hold tight to trade back to 12 is so far to trade back. So I could see the Colts trading from six to 12, but man. If the Bills give up six picks for a quarterback, I'm not going to be a fan of that. I mean, unless the dude becomes like Aaron
1: Rodgers. He's got to be Rivers, Big Ben, or, you know. And those are six picks in the top 100. That's so much. I mean, off the top of my head, that's 12, 22, 53, 56, or 57. I forget where they slotted. And sixty-five and yeah. something else. That's so many top picks. That's just too much. I think I think it's a cash take. <laughs> you think
0: it'll happen? <laughs> There's oh my your little God. I, I think it'll happen. I hope it does because I think the it'll I'll be fired up if that happens and so we're sitting on the desk and the giants are on the clock and you pop in my
1: ear and you're like, Miller, uh it happened. <laughs> like, I'm even better. Be I'm gonna be so, sitting in front of you this year in oh, the studio. Even so better. I'll just be that, I'll just hold it up on the whiteboard. Yeah. So here's something I I wanted to sneak this in. um, You know, before we do talk to Charlie, I was on my couch watching the Mets who had a bullpen implosion, but that's fine. Uh, They've been so great. I'm not even that pissed about it. And I was just thinking, I'm like, if the rumors are true that the bills are willing to do whatever it takes to get up to number two for their quarterback and the giants are standing pat and saying we don't want to move. Are they really standing pat for a running back? I, it's just I I I do think they are. But there's something in my head that's like, man, have they finally played everyone for once? And the Giants are going to be on the clock after the Browns take Sam Darnold and the Giants take Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. I mean, and everyone's could. like Everyone's like holy shit they finally played everyone after we knew their picks, their board year after year, they finally got it. Well, right. just something to think about. The guy who leaked all their picks doesn't work there
0: anymore. So, yep. That really adds to it. You know, if the, that the guy that you knew you could go to and get a new, they wanted <laughs> Leonard Floyd, you know, that he, and the guy
1: that ran his drafts. Yeah. Got fired. So too. they got uh, everyone out.
0: Yeah. So it's a, it's definitely a new it's a new style front office there. I know they kept a lot of guys, a lot of really smart guys, but yeah, it's, it is very possible. Um, okay. I have one more bonus one as well, Oh, love uh, it. but first I, I want to uh, last night. I, this, you rang my memory. I, I did a Venmo Q and a for dance memorial fund. And I promised I would shout out the Weston ranch boys basketball team because they, they donated to dance memorial fund. So thanks for doing that. Instead of asking a question, oh, nice. you can do that and I'll, I'll shout your stuff out. So, Okay, cash or trash rumor. Ready?
1: I'm going to survive the it. Stanley Cup playoffs without breaking my TV. Cash or trash? No chance. No chance. You'll break I, something. I don't know if it'll be the TV. I was so mad uh, last night watching just to, that uh, complete defensive
0: meltdown by the Predators. I had to get off Twitter. Yeah, well,
1: it sounds like we had very similar nights. I got to watch the Mets give up a five-run lead to the Nationals, and you got to watch the Preds meltdown, so... For for once, it's nice that the Rangers aren't in the playoffs because it the stress of playoff hockey is unbearable. And and my dumbass, I got I
0: got mad and it was, it was like late and I had to get up early. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to bed. And then they score, <laughs> they scored three goals in the last two periods. I'm like, I woke up this morning and looked at my phone. I was like, if they had come back and won and I gone to bed, I w- I would have been probably oh, even furious. more
1: upset. So yeah, they'll be fine though. Preds are too good. Uh Definitely too good. But eventually that TV will be broken. We'll see when that is. (laughs) It's a matter of time. All right. Now we are very lucky to have the senior
0: coordinating producer from NFL Network, Charlie Uke, back on the show with us about one year after we had him on. uh, Previously, one year after, excuse me. Charlie, thanks for joining us, man. We know how busy you have to be because we're also, uh, I I just want to sleep for like a week
2: right now now it's uh good to be back on good to actually uh talk you know previewing the draft as opposed to uh looking back at last year's draft so it's good to be back on
1: charlie this is you know kind of a really exciting year because of the fox simulcast that's been announced and everybody's so curious about it how big of a project has that personally been for you and your team you're working with to get ready for this year's coverage
2: it's uh I wouldn't say necessarily it's been bigger in in the fact that, um, you know, as far as workload, but as far as using their announcers, it's definitely helped the co-branded coverage of the presentation on both Fox and NFL Network. I think think it's been public now for a while that Troy Aikman's going to join us in night one to talk about quarterbacks. Joel Clatt, their lead college football analyst, is going to join us pregame on Thursday, and the actual draft on Friday. And uh, Jake Laser, their uh, their insider, is going to join us on pregame uh, at some point during the week as well. So it's it's actually been really cool to kind of you know use their announcers and talent within the broadcast itself. And I think uh, the discussions have gone well. I think all of them are ready to go, and they're pretty excited, and we're excited to have them. I think it's uh, it's a good it's a good blend of what Fox does, what NFL Network does into one presentation starting on that Thursday night.
0: It sounds like you guys have like the Avengers of draft coverage then if you're throwing <laughs> all those people in a room together. So what all will be different uh, when people are actually watching the draft not just in terms of the talent that you have? Do you guys have anything special cooked up for this year?
2: Well, I think the most special thing of the draft this year without question is that, you know, it's at a, it's at a football stadium and it happens to be at one of the biggest, if not the biggest stadium around an AT&T stadium in Arlington, Texas. So I think once fans get to see the magnitude and the scope of what the presentation looks like, the event on, you know, Thursday and Friday, or it looks like the weather's going to hold, I'm knocking on wood. So I'm knocking on my head. Um, <laughs> you know, we could have, we, we could have a hundred thousand people outside. There's estimated to be close to 30,000 people inside. So Philadelphia brought it last year and I think the entire state of Texas is going to bring it this year. Um, and as we all know the passion for football in the state of Texas is second to none. Um, our theme of our open this year, the, the big, you know, open that we do for the draft is Texas's football. And I think people would agree with that as well who live in the state of Texas. Um, so we just feel like the stars align, no pun intended. Um, we're going to see something pretty special that we haven't seen before. As um, this event just grows and gets bigger every year, and you guys have seen it as well. I mean, Philadelphia was awesome last year, but we're expecting great things from uh, the folks down in Arlington, Texas, and Work.
1: Yeah, that was, that was kind of going to be my next question. Now that it really is a location to location, you know, basis every year it changes. Uh, I'm from New York, so special one is at Radio City, but it's really cool to see it evolve city to city. When you found out that it was in Dallas what was really what made it unique besides it being the state you know of the football state is it that the city itself is special was it really the on-site location or do you think it's the the audience the powerful audience that it will bring not just through the coverage but really on-site
2: sure i think without without question it's it's the stadium you know radio city is is majestic it's great but we've this event is never housed more than as far as as seating goes, the numbers that we'll see this year, like, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be close to 30,000 people. They're skirting off the the stadium itself. So you get like the the top third of it. So, I mean, the stage is going to be massive. There's going to be massive, you know, screens. Each team will have a section seated. The team tables will will be out there and then there's fans everywhere. So that first and foremost was going to set this draft apart from any other draft in that. Um, it's going to truly feel like a rock concert, I think. Um, and I know that Philly kind of felt that way as well. Cause the outside was, there was a mass amount of humanity outside, but they're expecting that as well outside, uh, at t stadium cause they'll still have activation, you know, fans can come for free. They can enjoy, there's like combine events. There's good stuff for the kids. There's stuff for the adults. There will be, adult drink vendors there'll be kid drink vendors there's you know they have all the stuff for 32 teams so it's this thing's going to be pretty massive as far as the scope of it it's it's everything around the stadium is active um so whether you're coming for the draft or not there's going to be things to do which again if the weather holds we this could be pretty staggering the amount of people that are going to be there
0: yeah. So it sounds like this is a, like the, an ideal location, but what as the, as the coordinating producer, what's your dream location to have the draft at, especially with it being such a big party now?
2: Well, you know, I, I, I still, I still hold fond memories of radio city just because it's just the classic venue. Uh, we love being in New York. Um, but I think as this event starts to open up and there are places to go, you know, the, the they did name like five finalists for the coming years. Um, I believe it was Canton, Vegas, Kansas city, Denver, Nashville. I think any of those cities would be great to have the draft in. But if you, if you, if you're asking me like, what would be kind of a dream scenario? And this pains me as a, as a Bears fan growing up in Chicago. But I think if you did this in the middle of Lambeau field and the weather held, wow. Yeah. I think that would be pretty interesting. But again, that that's, that's my own opinion. But, but I do feel like if, if there's some, at some point did get to the pro football hall of fame. I think that makes a ton of sense as well. Um, just because if, if for those who've never been to the hall of fame, it's, it's a pretty great place. And the bus room is really one of those rooms where you just go, wow. Okay. I kind of get it. Um, so I think those, those two at the top of my head would be pretty awesome. But at this point, it's just like anywhere it goes right now, it, it is truly a traveling circus. And I mean that positively where, whatever city has gotten it in the recent, you know, from Chicago to Philly and now Dallas, they're, they're taking this on as, as a huge event, as a huge project. And it's, you know, we hope, especially this year, that you kind of see the results.
1: So you put in endless, endless hours to prepare for this and execute it. What do you have planned this year for after the draft where you can finally step away, kick back, and just enjoy some time after all that hard work?
2: Uh, we'll probably jot down the fact that next year's draft is full of defensive linemen. I uh, <laughs> yeah. don't know if there's a quarterback, uh, so get to know the Clemson kids, get to know the Houston kid, Oliver. Yeah. Um, other than that, i you know, I take about a week off. I think I'm going to, I think I'm just going to just decompress and then we're back at it. You know, we got to get ready for inside training camp, hall of fame, preseason. I mean, the NFL season really is becoming year round. So there's about a time, you know, a week to decompress, but really, really looking forward to more than anything, you know, next week is, is hopefully going to provide everybody, you guys included, you know, a glimpse of what we do on a bigger scale as well, just because the Fox layer being this year and, and being a co you know, working with them and hand in hand with their talent and their producers. Um, we hope it's something special.
0: So like Connor said, you do spend as much time as any of us actually watching these guys and, and learning about them to, to better do your job. Do you have a favorite player in this draft class?
2: I think there are a couple safe ones. I think everyone is picking all the, the guys that they know that that, that are plug and, plug and play. I think everyone has a high grade on Saquon Barkley. I think he's got to make sense, though. I don't think he's a bell cow, per se, as everyone kind of says. Um, but he makes total sense for 15 to 20 touches a game when you look at him. Um, I think this, the easiest guy to plug and play is Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame. He's a 10 year starter, whether he's a right guard or left guard um, at a high level. Uh, he, he's, he's probably one of the easiest players to watch when you watch him. He just destroys people. And I think that's what you want. Just a, just a nasty athletic uh, interior alignment. Um, but those two kind of stand out as the guys that are probably the easiest guys to, to, to slug. Um, but you know, I, I, we would be remiss if we didn't say the thing that scares everybody the most is the quarterbacks year. here. Um, if you believe in someone or not, I think there's high risk, high reward in each of these guys. And who knows how many are going to go in the first round, but um, there could be five. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but there could be five, um, but we'll see again on Thursday night.
1: Yeah. That was going to be our, our final question for you. Before we let you go, we have to ask you, who in your eyes, and we do, me and Matt do believe there will be five quarterbacks that go in the first round. Who in your eyes do you think is the top quarterback out of this polarizing group?
2: So it's funny because I think Matt and I, before the season even started, I think there were not a lot of people who were pounding the table for for Josh Allen. And a lot of people were looking at, you know, who is he, what is he? He plays for a smaller school. He's gotten beaten by bigger schools. But as you guys know, evaluators don't necessarily look at that. They look at what if I transplant him into my NFL offensive line with my NFL weapons. So I would say the guy that that probably has the biggest upside is Josh Allen, but the safest one of the quarterbacks is probably Sam Darnold. Um, but any of these five, you know, it's it's like first round quarterbacks are a coin flip. History tells us it's 50-50 who's going to be good? So it's I, I mean, someone's going to fall in love with one of these guys and and take them where they are or move up to get them. That's the best part of the draft every year, especially when it involves quarterbacks. Like who's going to make that move to get their guy? Because as you guys know, if you don't have a franchise quarterback, you're 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 in, you're in trouble. So the, the the good thing is, you know, we've got five, maybe six guys that can be in the first-round discussion. We've got a lot of teams that have first-round needs. And, you know, the, the part of the coverage that I like the best is that we've got the nine announcers that we feel can cover it from every angle once that person gets picked, starting with the Browns at number one. And at this point, I, I think we can say we know who the Browns are taking, but I, I don't know as well. So that's the best part of this season, guys. <laughs> you guys know it's like it really going to happen.
0: Yeah, it is, man. Thank you for your time again, Charlie. We love having you on because you, you bring such a, a fun insight and and you're doing a different job than a lot of us are while kind of doing the same thing. So definitely appreciate it. Good luck to you guys next week. Um, definitely pulling appreciate for it. it. We have a lot of friends uh, who work for you guys. Definitely hoping they have a great week. And uh, I'll have to DVR it so we can watch it when, we get, when I get back from New York. But I, I'm right. excited to see what you guys do. Thanks so much, Charlie. Appreciate it, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks again to our buddy Charlie Yuke. Uh, like Connor said, a repeat guest. We're starting to starting to turn the calendar. We're getting people back on, and, and we have a lot of fun shows lined up for after the draft with some more, uh, you know, like, not players. We're gonna dip into to you know get some musicians back on, some actors, politicians, the whole the whole deal. But let's end this sucker like we always do with draft on draft. Thanks to our our intern Kennedy for hooking us up with these questions, and I'm gonna dive right in. Phil Albanese wants to know, Connor, based on the season's third round sleepers like Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt, do you think too many analysts have higher grades on this running back class than they should hoping to get players like Kareem uh,
1: and Kamara? That's a great question. And I'll explain the difference. I think the grades are fine. I think the comparisons can be dangerous. I think a lot of people keep saying, you know, hey, this year's, uh, you know, this guy is Alvin Kamara. This, guy, You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you look at it, I, Alvin Kamara was just a great player, and I believe we thought he was going to go in the second. Uh, I had a first on weird. him. You had a first on him. Yeah. Okay. And with the running back devalue, it just yeah. uh, you know he felt way too far. So no, I don't think so. I, I think I'll tell you who. Let me answer it like this. I think Rashad Penny is the most overrated running back in this class. He's the guy for me. People keep saying. Just grab Penny in the third round, and he'll be a top five back. And I'm like, what are you seeing that tells you that? He might be an adequate starter one day, but he's not a superstar-level talent. I think Mark. And this is something Matt has brought up. I think Mark Walton can be a really, really nice pass-catching back yeah. on, in the third round. We, we've always talked. We love Saquon, Geis more than most, Sony, Ronald Jones. You know, those guys... I can't see getting out of the second round. So I'm a buyer beware. I think Carrion Johnson's a really nice third round player. Um we've talked about Martez Carter late on day three. It's a good running back class. Let's just leave it at that. And and I think the grades are pretty fair. Yeah,
0: I think so too. I was looking at my grades and and I'm I love running backs. So I have ten in the no, I'm nine in the top one hundred. But I think last year's running back class was actually better. Uh, and, and I can I can actually, when I have a moment, compare uh, year to year and look and see how many top 100 running backs I had the year before. But like you said, this year I feel like there's more situational type guys. But I, I've i never once thought uh, when I'm doing draft grades, hey, last year all these really good running backs hit on day three. So let me bump up my day three guy, or my round three guys to make myself look better if they hit. Because if they don't hit, you're going to have that grade out there of like, hey, you had Naheem Hines in the second round,
1: you know, idiot, look how smart you are now. Yeah. So um,
0: I, I just try to to be pretty true to the ranking.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I have eight in the top 100, so I'm kind of right with you there. And I have three with first round grades out of only 18 first round graded players with Sony Geis and, and Saquon. Ronald Jones is really just on the outside looking in. So definitely a very, very fun running back group again. All right, this next one from Wesley. True or false? Josh Rosen to the Dolphins is the perfect fit for both, considering Adam Gase's resume with quarterbacks, sincerely depressed <laughs> Dolphins fan. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Wesley. <laughs> I, I think it is a perfect fit. Uh, I also think it's possible. I mean, I I put out a, a just like a quick top ten mock on Twitter the other day, and I didn't have Rosen in the top ten. And it, you get both sides of it. You get the people who are like, "You're an idiot," Rosen's going to go top ten, and then you get the people who are like, "Wait a second, I'm a Bills or a Dolphins fan, and this looks really really good that he might fall to us." So. Without trades, I think it is very possible that he ends up there
1: at ten and or at eleven, excuse me, and would be a great fit for the Dolphins. Yeah, no doubt about that. I like that fit a lot too. And I think it's very realistic if if Rosen makes it by the Jets, I think uh number four is gonna heat up. I, I'm not buying though and I understood why when I read into your mock why you did it, but I, I'm not entirely sure he falls out of the top ten because teams kind of panic and come up to get the quarterback now. So Yep. That'll be really interesting. Uh, this one from Justin Sigismonti. I probably screwed that up. Sorry, Justin. Better you me. Can Davis, can Davis Webb actually be Eli's successor, or is it without question they need to take a quarterback? Oof, God, you know my thoughts, but Matt, I, what do you think? I'm a little different. I actually think he can be. I'm glad that he's had time to learn and
0: develop. I, I didn't feel like he was a throw him in kind of guy, but it, with smart coaches, to look at his strengths and say, okay, let's tailor it to this. They have great weapons on offense. I do think that he can be the successor. Now, is he gonna be a top 10 quarterback? Probably not, but could he be a serviceable starter?
1: Yeah, I definitely think he could be. Yeah. My comp for Webb was Mike Glennon. So I always thought oh, like, shit. Hey, <laughs> yeah, but we have a bad con. We have a bad yeah. outlook on Glennon now as a starter, but as a backup, he's a good player. So sorry, I, I'm not buying it. Um, I think they do need to take a quarterback. As Matt said earlier in the show, it probably doesn't happen, but that would be the surprise, so we'll see. All right, here's one. Trevor Doyle, what do you think is going to be the biggest surprise on draft day if you could predict it? (sighs) Man, Um, (sighs) I I think it's going to be wherever Lamar Jackson goes. I I think we're going to react like, oh, shit. So-and-so just took Lamar Jackson in the top 20. I think that's going to be the surprise. Yeah, because uh, now we're, we're yeah we're ahead on the McGlinchey thing. That would have been a surprise. Now we're out on it. We, it. We've talked about everything else. It's for me. It's where Lamar goes in the top twenty.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. I can't remember even any surprises last year necessarily. I guess Chicago trading up one spot was a pretty big surprise. But I would say that a team like the Chargers drafting Lamar Jackson would probably be the biggest surprise that I could predict. You know, something that something that isn't like a Laramie Tunsil type situation or. You know, Lyle Collins type deal. Uh, I would say that would
1: be the biggest, biggest logical surprise. And also, if a team that isn't the Bills trades an absurd amount of picks to come up to two or four, we're going to be like, oh shit! Like we knew the Cardinals and Dolphins; those teams had interest, but we didn't think they'd have the ammo to get it done. Yeah. So that'll be uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on. This one from Patrick Johnson: Because the Patriots haven't met with all the top quarterbacks, is that a sign they aren't planning to move up? or just not wanting to tip their hand. I, I don't, don't think, think they're,
0: they're going to move up. up. Yeah, okay. I yeah. don't think they're going to. They have way too many needs and I know that everybody's well they have two first rounders they could trade up. Yeah, but nope. they also need linebackers, offensive line help, they need another corner. They they're going to have to get younger at safety eventually. They do need a quarterback of the future, but man, like let's slow down on that they're going to trade up. It just it doesn't seem like anything that they would do. And, and they've had situations like this before with a lot of early picks, and they haven't traded up to get that slam dunk guy. So I don't know why we think it would happen now.
1: Yeah, when there's something around New England and quarterback, it picks up steam. So that's I just don't think they have the package to get it done. All right,
0: I got one for you here. Okay, from our buddy Anthe Oreo, how much should positional value factor into a player's ranking on a team's board, i.e., can the Colts really pass on Nelson at six just because guards aren't as valuable? I don't, I'm not a big positional value guy. I always think that just great players are great players. Like if you believe that Quentin Nelson could be a hall of fame guard, you draft him. And if you believe that Saquon Barkley is a hall of fame running back, you draft him. And really, if you're drafting a guy in the top six, like for the Colts, you believe that they are a perennial pro bowl or all pro type talent. And I think Quentin Nelson is one, Um, you know, I, I thought Brandon Scherf was going to be a, uh, an all pro type guy coming out. And I was comfortable with him being the fifth pick in that draft. So uh, I, I think you can look at, at someone specifically like Quentin Nelson and say, this dude has no flaws. So who cares if he's a guard? He's probably he has a chance to be the best guard in the NFL
1: and we can work with that. So let's just draft him anyway. It's a great question from Aunt. me and you have gone in depth on this. I think last fall or summer, we always say it like this positional value factors in when there's a tie on the grade. So if a quarterback is the same grade as a running back, the quarterback goes higher on the board because they can make the bigger impact. Yep. But when it comes down to it, you it, at some point you do have to say, okay, we have to take quarterback. Well, like for the Colts, which we know Ant is a fan of, asking this, you need good football players right now. It reminds me of the Jets. Uh, you know when they took Leonard Williams when they had Mo Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson. Yeah. They took a safety sixth overall last year because Jamal Adams was by far and away the best player available. It, at some point, you just add talent that you won't miss instead of saying, oh, well, he's a guard. We can't take him there. that That's the flawed logic with a lot of people. So I think when you look at the Colts who do have a quarterback, if Quentin Nelson is the highest graded player on their board, take him. I have no And Bradley Chubb might even be gone. It, I'm not going to sit here and say it was a bad pick because you help keep a quarterback upright that has a serious injury history now and you need to develop a run game and you need great football players. And that's what Quentin Nelson is. Yeah. So. All right, this one from William Martin. Who do you think is the best landing spot for Des Bryant? Man, what do I think or who's interested? I think the best landing spot would be the Eagles, just because they're the Eagles or New England. But I I don't think either of those teams will have any interest.
0: Well, I think the Baltimore one is like a really good spot for him just because of, of what they have there with, I mean, geez, Crabtree and John Brown. So uh, more of a possession style receiver, and I guess you know he and Crabtree are, are maybe similar in that regard. But I, I think of the teams that have interest, that would be the best fit. You mentioned New England; I would be, I would definitely say that's a good fit for him, even after bringing in Jordan Seattle. Matthews. Seattle would be another good one. I, I mean, I I still think that San Francisco would be. Um, I think that yeah. Oakland would be. Like there, there are quite a few spots that it just depends on like. He just kind of looked like he didn't have any burst anymore. So if that's the case, then I don't. I we're just like evaluating him on his name and not actually who he was anymore. So that's what what I would worry a little bit about. All right, here's one more for us. Uh, what's the best example? This is from uh, William Martin. What's the best example in recent years of a boom or bust prospect actually booming? That's
1: a really good question. Oh. For me, the one that comes right to mind is Ziggy Ansah. So Ziggy Ansah went fifth overall at a BYU. And he only had four and a half sacks in college yeah. ever. Not this, his last season at BYU, he had four and a half sacks. The two years before that, he didn't, I don't know if he had, it doesn't look like he had one. And we always said, this is this is all or nothing, because this guy's a freak show but man, is it going to work out? And he, when he's healthy, he's a great pass rusher. Yeah, I actually think Jadeveon
0: Clowney was boomer bust because of the injuries. Oh, yeah. So it was like, okay, if this dude stays healthy, he's going to be transcendent. Uh, but he might not might not stay healthy. So I think we can look at him now and say, yeah, that he he definitely hit the boom on that one.
1: Uh, oh, we do have one last bonus one. It's always the classic. Uh, we lost who it's from. I don't know why this always happens. Am <laughs> I bad? And that last one was from Scott Olson. Now I see the yeah. I think I think Kennedy like punches the questions in and then falls asleep before putting the name (laughs) in on the last one. So this is whoever this is from. Thank you. or sorry. If you had to bet your career on the success of a prospect, who would it be? Is that in terms of this year's class? Because if so, that's how I'm taking it. I'll say Quinn Nelson, but let's make it fun, Matt. Let's do one quarterback and one defender. Oh, one quarterback. If I had to bet on, I would bet on Sam Darnold. See, that's funny. I would bet on Baker Mayfield cuz I'm an animal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh my defender is Bradley Chubb.
1: Um that's a good one. I I don't want to say it would probably be Chubb for me, but I want to get a little more creative here. Oof. I'll say Derwin James. Actually I'll say Roquan Smith. I just I think there is bust potential, but I think he's all world. So, yeah. uh, Baker and Roquan, a match at the CFB playoff all over. again. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, yeah. And I, I like Sam Darnold,
0: I kind of see as a guy that like, he might not, he might not end up great, but he's going to be, he's going to be really good no matter what. And, and I I've said before, I don't have any quarterback in this class graded, uh, ahead of where I had golf and Wentz. I don't have any quarterback in this class graded ahead of where I had, uh, Mariota and Winston. But I have uh, I have Darnold and Trubisky, I think, with the exact same grade. So that kind of gives you an idea of where I had those guys.
1: Yeah. Super high floor on both. And, you know, that's uh, when you're betting your job. Those are kind of the players you kind of sway towards. So, man, we are getting close. Finally. Finally.
0: Yeah, we are. And this has been a fun show. I love that we had some time to talk to Charlie, who's super insightful about everything that's going to be going on draft coverage wise. And. I should plug the fact that we are going to be covering the draft live on Facebook yes. on the Bleacher Report channel. Thursday night, me, Sims, and Lefko. Friday night, me, Sims, and Lefko. Saturday, me, and Connor. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. We are going to break down every pick. Thursday, Friday will be a little businessy, I assume. Saturday will be a little more fun. If someone asked if it's going to be family friendly. Hands off. It will be. It'll be family friendly. Um, we're going to yes, miss our boys, <laughs> Nelson and Felder, not there with us this year. We're definitely going to miss them, but. It is going to be a blast, and I'm excited for what we have going on. We got podcasts coming out like every day draft week, a ton of video content Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. And people are going to laugh at this, but it's true. Sunday, I have to write a 2019 mock draft. Gross, <laughs> gross.
1: We're it's going to New York City Saturday night,
0: so I don't. Nick think Bosa, that one might have Rashawn to wait. Gary. I've already started. I've already started for watching dudes for next year. I. I love and hate my life sometimes, man. But it's uh, we're gonna roll right into next year when this thing's over. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. If you haven't already, hop on Apple Podcast, leave a review, let us know if there's anything you want in the show because we are gonna assess things after the draft and start to think about new ideas, what works, what hasn't worked. So we would love your feedback on that. Definitely hop on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow at Stick to Football. There, I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of behind the scenes type stuff next week when we're in New York together. So for Connor, this is Matt. We'll talk to you guys real soon.